The prayer that we just read, or and some of you memorized since you were little, is called the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father Prayer. This prayer is so dear to all of us because it brings a lot of memories. But actually, as I mentioned to you the last time, we can say that this prayer can also be called the Disciples' Prayer because this is the response that Jesus gave to them when they asked him, Lord, would you mind to teach us how to pray? And he did. And he told him in two occasions in the New Testament. The first one in public when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, in public was telling everybody, and when you pray, pray like this. And then individually when he was meeting with his small group of disciples, and they asked him, teach us how to pray. He told him, this is how you should pray. It was not his intention to become a mantra or something to repeat over and over. Although it's not a problem when we repeat it, as long as we are conscious about what we're saying. But this is the disciples' prayer. And we know that Jesus didn't make this kind of prayer because he didn't have to ask for forgiveness of sins. But actually, he wanted the disciples to write in the right way, to pray in the right way, to, put, to have a pattern to follow. He mentioned two things in this prayer. The first one is the priorities that we can find on the verses 9 to 10. And those were the verses that we started the last time when we got together. And then he mentioned about the provisions in verses 11 to 13. And that's how we're going to start today with one of those provisions. In this prayer, Jesus demonstrates priorities and provision. And in verse 11, we can start doing this way. The priorities that he taught us in this prayer were all about God. When he talked about him, your name, your kingdom, your will. And when he talks about provisions, he switched from focusing on God to focusing on the needs of the people. And he says, we need to pray this way. Our daily bread, our forgiveness of sins, and our deliverance from evil. Recognizing that God as the Heavenly Father, a Supreme King, doesn't remove the personal needs that we have. And Jesus was conscious about that. That's why he included in that model of prayer that we need to be mindful about what we're praying for. First, we need to honor God. We need to honor his plan. We need to honor his will. And then we are ready to present our needs in our situations. That's why the idea of this message today is let's embrace daily dependence on the Heavenly Father's provision as taught in the Lord's Prayer. That has to be a commitment today. This great New Testament scholar, J. Campbell Morgan mentioned that the, the, the prayer, this prayer fulfills the master's ideal only when it begins with the interest of God and flows all the way to the needs of men. That is the order. The problem that we have many times is we come to the Lord and we ask him first for our needs, our problems, or our circumstances to change instead of spending enough time recognizing who he is. Jesus is amazing. 
because he is teaching us. If you believe in a God that is our Father who is in heaven, not on earth, if you trust him that he is a king and he has a kingdom and he is the one sovereign and in control of every circumstances, and you know that he has a plan to fulfill and his plan will be done, then you can ask whatever you need to. And he will listen to you so you can come with confidence that he will take care of you. But just remember, we are asking for our needs, not necessarily for our greeds. And that's the big difference. And that's what Jesus is teaching us in this prayer. So in verse 11, it's going to be the section of this passage that we're going to study today. Give us this day our daily bread. It's so simple that I'm sure you already memorized it. But that's going to serve us as an outline for the entire message today. Imagine that you were a witness of that wonderful biblical miracle when Jesus was feeding the 5,000. But imagine that that story was not happening in the first century, but was happening in the United States of America in our day. And he is performing that miracle, and he is taking the fish and the bread, and he's multiplying it, and every one of you are receiving a portion of that fish and bread. I'm sure some of you probably will be thinking, what's this? Just fish and bread? But that's not going to be enough. What about dessert? What about iced tea? What about Dr. Pepper? The problem is, in our Western world, we are so blessed with an abundance. Believe it or not, even though you might think you don't have anything in the, in the refrigerator to eat, actually you have more than the majority of the people in the world. So much that we often forget to appreciate the true value of our daily bread. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, each year, 30 to 40% of the food supply in the United States is wasted. Almost half of the food that we have in this country is thrown to the trash in the way that is wasted, either from the farmers who pick it up to the ones who deliver it, to the ones who buy it, and to the ones who store it at home. Not only that, the World Health Organization reports that more than 1.9 billion adults worldwide are overweight, with over 650 million of them considered obese. Just in this country, for instance, 41.9% are overweight or with obesity problems just in this country. So with that data in mind, in our time, Let's think about Jesus' teaching on Matthew 6, 11. When he is instructing his disciples, his followers, and all of us included, to pray to the Lord and says, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Some of us, I'm including myself, but we say, Lord, don't give me more. I need to lose weight. 
But that's not the case. Because at first glance, this part of the disciples' prayer might seem irrelevant to a well-fed society accustomed to overindulgence and the constant availability of food. But in reality, that's not the case. This is not what Jesus was thinking when he was teaching his disciples to pray this way. He was thinking that food is not necessarily all what we need in comparison with the dependence that we need to have upon the Lord for his provision. So this fourth petition, asking for our daily bread, even though it might seem insignificant compared with the wonderful God that we have in heaven, that we can call our Father. Jesus is reminding us this way, that yes, God is both our King and our Father. And as His subjects, we need to obey Him. And as His children, we delight on His presence, on His care, and on His provision. It's nothing wrong to ask God for the things that we need in this world. And remember, we have material needs, but we also have a spiritual needs. And we can come to Him, even with those small things that we can ask Him, in comparison with the kind of God that we have. Even in countries like Ethiopia, Cambodia, including the United States of America, the call to embrace daily dependence on the Heavenly Father's provision unify us all as believers in Christ. This is the message that shall encourage us to remind ourselves every single day that we live in dependence of God day by day, trusting on His provision. Therefore, let's remember not to take the abundance that some of us might have. Let's not take it for granted, but use it as a constant reminder of our trust and our Heavenly Father provision and the generosity that comes from a heart that is grateful to share with others who doesn't have enough. So, this is only one verse, but we're going to divide this in four sections, four phrases that actually are part of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 11. Do you know already the prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. So let's start with every phrase. The first one, give us. This phrase demonstrates our dependence on God by seeking his provision. That word, give. Even though it sounds a little bit like um, too aggressive, since this is in the Greek an imperative a command, it seems like we are asking God, we are bossing God around, demanding what we want. But that's not the case. Jesus here is teaching to his followers to approach God with confidence in asking for what they really need. It's not giving a blank check to ask for whatever you want. It's to ask for him, to him, whatever we really need. For instance, when my son comes with me to the store to buy something, 
Oh, he wants everything. Everything in the toy section. I mean, and he used the phrase, oh, daddy, I need this. <laughs> and I had to teach him the difference between needs and wants. You might want that, but you don't need it. Oh, but you need this even though you don't want it. So I had to teach him. For many teenagers, it's the same thing. He come to you and says, hey, mom, dad, I need uh, Nike sneakers. Man, those are expensive. Ask OJ, he will tell you. <laughs> and he's the one who learned this lesson. Because what you need, it might not be what you want. You might wish to have uh, sneakers. You might want those sneakers to be Nike. But what you really need is something to wear on a daily basis. You see the difference? If you learn that difference and you teach your children, chances are they might get it when they get to your age. Maybe not. But you can try. So I never, never bother when my son in the store asks me for something that I know he needs. But it bothers me when he asks me for things that he doesn't need. Think about that as myself being an imperfect father, my feel. And think about the Lord, how he pleased is when we ask for what we really need, not necessarily for the things that we want. And remember, this is not the first thing that we need to pray for. Jesus did not teach the disciples, begin your prayer with a gimme, 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 gimme. No. Order matters. Not that it needs to be done mechanically, but necessarily you need to understand. That's why Jesus has spent some time directing us to the Father, recognizing his person, recognizing his kingdom, recognizing his will. This is not a shopping list for Christmas to ask God whatever we want. God, your name. God, your kingdom. God, your will. And then you can say, now God, knowing that you want the best for me, Will you please give me? What a difference. In prayer, God is not glad for our demands, but he is glorified in our dependence on him. Imagine that my son will tell me again, Daddy, I expect a new iPad for my seventh birthday. That's a demand. It belittles me because he treats me like I'm a servant of him. But what if he will come to me and says, Papa, I cannot reach the book that is in the top of the shelf. Since you are taller than me, will you please help me to get it? What a difference. So pray and give from a humble heart is one way to honoring the giver. It confesses dependence. Father God, you are a good and great God. You have something that I need, Lord. And I am coming to you humbly with a request. So would you please give? That's what Jesus was trying to explain to his disciple. You recognize who God is. You know about his power. You know about his will. Then check your heart. 
see what you need, and with confidence come and ask him exactly for what you need. The word us, the pronoun us, is important because it's not about what I need. It's asking the Lord what we need. Give us, not give me. This means that this petition is made not just for the individual, but reminding that even though we have food in our refrigerators, there might be a lot of people who they don't have anything to eat in other places. So as we ask the Lord to provide for our needs, for our bread, daily bread, we are also praying that he can provide for those who are in need, those who doesn't have what I have. Together we're asking the Lord for what we need. And even if we say this prayer individually, we are thinking in our minds that we're doing it corporately. Maybe your bread seems very plentiful, but not everyone's cupboards are full. Not everyone has a house. Not everyone has two cars in the garage. More than 10% of the American population lives below the poverty line. And so, you know, 10% of the world's population lives with less than $2 a day. That's all what they have. So you are praying not just for yourself, but you're praying as well for others whose needs are even greater than the ones that you're experiencing. And as we will see, bread means not just food. Bread means everything that we desperately need. We're praying for the whole physical and spiritual well-being of God's people. And not just the well-being, but their well-being for the sake of the first three petitions. For God and his name, for God and his kingdom, and for God and his will. By focusing on give us, we're encouraged to approach God with confidence and humility, knowing that he is a loving father, that he wants the best for us. So give us, and then the next phrase will be this day. This day. This emphasizes the necessity of daily reliance on God. This day is a phrase really interesting because it comes from a Greek word that is read semeron, which means today or for the rest of this day. So you're coming to ask the Lord to give you, plural, for the needs of the rest of the day. If you started in the morning, it's for the needs of that rest of the day. If you started at night with this prayer, that means for the needs of the following morning. It's the immediate need that you have. That's the implication with this phrase, this day. Jesus is teaching us a profound lesson here in faith because we need to pray differently. Sometimes we would like to ask God, Lord, Please give me everything that I need for the rest of my life. But he's saying, that's not the way to pray. You ought to pray for what you need today, right now, at this very moment. In Spanish, we have two words, and they are different in different countries. We say ahora, meaning today, and that can mean in Mexico, not in Cuba. It can mean that it can happen 
any time during the day, at any moment, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. But you had the word ahorita, that means right now, at this moment, in the next second. Ahora and ahorita. So Cubans have everything backwards, so they, they do it other way. But that's okay. The Lord forgive them already. <laughs> but I mentioned it to you so you remember what today and this day means. It's not the rest of the week, it's the immediate needs that we have for the rest of the day. So we need to say, like Jesus is still teaching his disciples, I want you to pray for this day and every day for daily bread. It's the lesson that the Israelites needed to learn when they were leaving Egypt and they were in the desert on their way to the promised land. They were in need of food, and the Lord provided them. They provided manna, remember? That substance that the Lord provided. And he specifically was telling them, you will get this every day, but don't store it, because if you do that, it will go bad. It will stink. But every day I will give you the necessary manna that you need for today. Some of them tried to store it. They didn't believe it. They didn't trust God. And what happened when they opened the, the pot next day, it was full of worms, stinky. Only on the weekend, because the day of rest, the Sabbath was coming, they were able to collect that manna that the Lord was sending from heaven for a couple of days. But the rest of the week, it has to be only what you need for the day. Jesus is explaining the same situation. You ask for your father what you need today for the rest of the day. That's a little different of the way that we pray to the Lord, right? In a world where we often make long-term plans and rely on our own efforts, this verse serves as a reminder to maintain a posture of daily dependence on God. That's the truth here. In both Old Testament and New Testament, Material abundance can signify God's favor. We see that investing and saving is prudent. We see it in the Bible. Jesus is not telling us, I want you to start each day with misery. No. But he wants to begin each day with a poverty in our spirit in order to pray, Heavenly Father, I am not asking for the provision for six months from now. I'm asking you that you give me what I need right now. Give me enough so I can live and live for you today. In Luke 12, the same situation happened. There is a story that you probably remember, the story of the rich fool. That man has so much. He has a big crop and he decided, okay, I got my barns, but I got so much to store and I don't have enough space. I'm going to turn down this Barnes are going to build new ones and bigger ones. He was thinking, you know, I got so much. I will be secure for the rest of my life. And why he's called the rich fool? Not because he was making plans. It's because he said in verse 19 the following. My friend, talking to himself, you have enough store away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. He believed the lie of self-security, saving for the future. Say, in Spanish, we have a saying, saving for the thin cows or the skinny cows, which is taken from Joseph and the seven days 
you know, of poverty that they were going through experience. So in this way, it's the how times we plant. It's nothing wrong to plant. It's nothing wrong to say with the mindset that everything can be taken away from us at any moment. Even if it's a natural disaster or even if it's, a, if it's in politics in the way that we're experiencing now, everything can be gone. And you need to rely not on the things that you have, but on the one who can give you those things again. So he believed that we need to pray for today. Proverbs 38, we read that the wise man is thinking this way. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. So God wants us to grow in our faith by focusing on the present. Asking for this day rather than thousand days ahead. He wants us to recognize the fragility of our lives and understand it, that he is much more compassionate toward us than we might even think. Life can change suddenly, brothers and sisters, and drastically. Today we're here, healthy. Tomorrow, our health might be broken, or we're gone. Something can happen, and we need to live our lives always with the perspective of the eternity, that we're just temporarily here in this world. Our lives are fragile, but God is kinder than we realize. So instead of providing to us for everything that we need, he asks us to ask every day so we can increase in our dependence on him. The next phrase, daily. Wow, you already talked about that, Pastor. No, I say this day. What is the difference this day and daily? I'm glad you asked. Because the Greek word for daily Epiusius is only, only can found in this, in this section, in this Lord's Prayer. Here in Matthew 6, 11, and in Luke uh, 11, 3. It's the only time, to that point that many scholars believe that the writers of the Gospels were the ones who invented this word. But that's not the case, because long time ago it was discovered in one of the earliest manuscripts that this phrase was used in the common Greek, in the popular Greek language, in a piece of paper that a woman was writing as the shopping list. And in that shopping list, uh, it was putting all the needs for the meal for that day. So the writers of the gospel took the word just to make sense of what Jesus was trying to tell them. When you ask for the things that you need, is the things that you need for that moment on, for that day. That's the meaning of that phrase, interestingly. So we ask God for his provision and know that this prayer is for daily food, not for our daily feast. It's for our needs, not for our greeds. And the last phrase, our bread. Acknowledging God's deep concern for our well-being. Our, here's in this prayer, although we might think that simply refers to the bread for us, is actually a deeper meaning than that. Many older commentaries highlight that this is a possessive term. We are not just asking God for any bread, but for the bread that is rightfully ours. That might be strange as we ask God 
these kind of things because we don't own anything. He's the owner of everything. However, this prayer are in, indeed asking for the bread that belonged to us. One Dutch theologian, Herman Wittius, mentioned this about this pronoun our. He said, it promotes the idea of hard work and fairness. This means that praying for bread doesn't free us from our responsibility to work for it. But saying our is the acknowledge that we earn what God provides. We don't expect to receive something without effort, but additionally, our signifies fairness. And we're not asking for somebody else's bread, but it's the bread that was dedicated to us. In other words, people might say, well, I work all day. I sweat You know, because I'm working so hard to earn my check, paycheck. Yes, that's true. That's what you earn. But God is the one who gives you the strength and the health for you to work all that day to earn the check. So at the end of the day, the one who is giving you everything is God. So sometimes we take the idea, I don't know from where, for the self-sufficient, that we are doing our own thing and God is doing his own thing. No, everything belongs to God. But bread means more than just food. Bread symbolizes everything that is necessary for our physical needs. And it also can mean spiritual needs. According to Martin Luther, this bread includes not only food, but also a healthy body, good weather, home, family, effective governance, and peace. It's whatever we need to subside, to, to live for that moment, for that day. So the request for bread in the prayer refers to both physical and spiritual needs. Is Jesus the one who can say that? He called himself that he was the bread of life in John 6, 35, emphasizing that our needs for him are supposed to be daily. We need a closer, to be closer to God through prayer and seek his presence. Matthew 4, 4, for instance, Tells us that we need not just by physical bread alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth. In this case, God's word. Additionally, Christians associate food with doing God's will in John 4, 32. So we should pray for opportunities to share the gospel, disciple in others, and serve our bread with all the mass. Share our bread with, that includes Jesus Christ. So as we conclude, let's circle back to the story that we mentioned at the beginning with Jesus feeding the 5,000. 5,000 men. 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. So let's say 10,000 people were at that moment. At this time, imagine the crowd recognizing the miracle before them and realize that the five loaves and two fish were more than enough to satisfy their hunger. As they received their portions, they start to appreciate the simple nourishment, the essence of the daily bread, without complaining about what is my bread, what is my dessert, what is my iced tea. Just the fact that God is taking care of us. Now picture yourself the next time that you have a meal, lunch. Maybe you go to one of those all-you-can-eat places. Who knows? Think about that. With every bite, let gratitude fill your heart. Just knowing that you have something to eat, that you choose what to eat. 
that you can eat as much as your belly and heart's content can give you. And recognize that the Lord who provides for you wants to provide for others. And just think about for a moment, am I one person who received from the Lord being grateful enough to be able to share my food with somebody else? At that moment, considering how you can share your blessing with those who have less and reflect on the way in which you can demonstrate your dependence to God's provision. If this is the only action point that we can take from this message, so be it. Recognizing he is the provider. He blesses us even in the most minimal things that we might ask because he cares for us. But it's our God and our bread, meaning that the same thing that I'm asking for myself, I had to ask it for others as well. And this journey of life is not meant to be a race toward excess, but rather a balanced path in which we cherish the simple things. And I will close today with our prayer and with our praise. I ask the, the praise team to come and join me. Let's reflect on these things. Let's give ourselves to the Lord and let's recognize who he is in our lives. And let's ask him that he can make his provision without physical bread, but at the same time, that spiritual bread that we all need. Our dependence. Let's embrace it. Let's recognize, let's trust that he is our heavenly father and he cares for us and he provides. Later in this same chapter, in chapter, in verses 23, he is telling us in different occasions, don't be anxious for nothing. Do you see the birds that fly freely in the sky? They don't have to worry about what they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep. God take care of them. Certainly you need to know that you're more important than those birds to the Lord. Do you see those flowers? How beautiful they are. Let me tell you that not even King Solomon, with all his richness, was able to dress as nice as those flowers. And God did that for them. Just remember, he did it for the birds. And he's doing it for the flowers. Obviously, he can do it for you. And this is a great reminder for this portion of the prayer. So don't be anxious for anything. Most of the time, we are anxious for things that we don't know if they're going to happen or not. So let's stop watching that much news and let's start reading the good news that God cares for us, that He is providing for us, that He's making a way for all of us. And as you meditate on your own life and your family, think about others who you will be the answer to their prayers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We ask for everything we need today, both in our lives and the lives of others in the family of faith. We ask you for the spiritual needs as well. We ask for our health, our well-being, but also, Father, we recognize that whatever might be our circumstances, our heart's desire is to glorify your name. 
to understand, Father, that we are subjects to your kingdom. And you have a will to be fulfilled. And I want to do your will. So in whatever prayer I have before you, in whatever petition I come before you, please cancel my petition and give me exactly what you expect for me to have. Knowing that as a good father, you provide for my daily needs today. Father, some of, some of us here might feel content and excited for the future. But some others might feel desperation and anxiety because they don't know what will happen next week. They don't know what will happen next month. I ask, Father, that you can provide for all of us today, Lord, in a way that only you can do it. Help us to turn to you in both challenging and prosperous times, receiving your blessings daily. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, who is the example of this prayer, because he knows you as your son, and he wants us to have the same experience with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.